February 2nd, 8 p.m., New York City, Andrei Bogoslavsky. I'm so excited. My viral account got hacked, and the man who is handling it is going to repost my old videos, and the account will go even more viral. And I predict in about a month it will have 1 million followers. Yeah, yeah. Andrei Bogoslavsky will monopolize all the art industry on TikTok. Andre the Immortal King Gilgamesh will have five hacked accounts, all viral with one billion followers. <laughs> Today's episode will be about humble beginnings. So how do you begin? How do you start when you never did it, but you're inspired by Andrei Bogoslavsky, his creative forces, the way he paints? I have to tell you that I did inspire three people in my high school to start painting, and one of them still painting. Uh, two of them actually are still painting. Uh, and one sort of paints once or twice a year. He has a big company. He's in Germany now. So everyone's life story is different. So how to get started? You need to get something. Uh, let's talk about visual arts. I, uh, poetry and music is another field that I really don't want to talk about because I don't know much about it. So... I mean, I read poetry and I read uh, and I listen to music, and uh, and uh, but but let's talk about visual arts. How you start from nothing, from zero. Let's say you you, you your mom says, okay, let's go to art supply store. Let's buy what you need. What do you need? Well, you need a sketchbook with one hundred pages of a thin paper. The the paper I'm drawing now on those videos, those one minute videos when I'm, you know, voiceover, speaking up my mind after afterwards, they're, it's called newspaper paper. So it's this thin paper. You don't want that. It's like 40 pounds. You want like 60 pounds. 60 pounds paper is a little thicker, a little more sturdy, but... Uh, 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 whether it's uh, totally white, you have to understand, the whiter the paper, the more chances, uh, but cheap, cheap and white, chances are it has a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, chlorine in it. They're using something to, to, to make it whiter. So you, you have to be careful with that. So basically, uh, a block of, uh, a pack of uh, 100 pages, and it shouldn't cost you more than 10 bucks, 15 bucks. You I mean, I buy, buy boxes with five, 500 pages. So that's very cheap. And I get it shipped, you know. I, I stock up, you know, for, for a year so I don't have to think about it. That's, that's my thing. You don't have to. So you, you buy 100 pages. And you need to start with uh, graphite and, uh, and charcoal. Why charcoal? Because I recommend pressed charcoal because if charcoal is uh, all natural, not pressed, it's going to break in your fingers too easily. If you buy pressed charcoal, it's not going to break as easily. Graphite, so you learn the difference. Graphite is not as black. It's kind of silver silver shine to it 
And as you start drawing, you, you don't press very hard. The first lines you're going to be making always start from very gentle, barely touching the surface. Because ultimately, you will be wiping them off, uh, hopefully. So you need erasers as well. There are three, four different kind of erasers. Erasers that have a little bit of sand in it. It's a glass sand. It's a very microscopic sand, so they're very rough. They they really uh, uh, rip the, the the surface of the paper. And then there are much more gentle erasers. They're very soft. They they don't rip the paper. And then there is this eraser that you can mush like like a play-doh. In 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 the old days, and when I started, it was called bread eraser. And hundred years ago, they used oh fifty years ago they were using bread to to erase black charcoal not 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 graphite but black charcoal bread actually picks up the dust and then you mush it in your uh, arm and in your palm and then it, it it can pick up some more black charcoal so you need uh, the the uh, paper pad and the size you should start with it should be like um, 14 inches by 11 inches okay and it has this spiral on the side uh, metal spiral and let it let it be 100 pages because you really can't give it a good shot if you don't make 100 drawings you know if you don't make 100 drawings you really don't know if you uh, really like it so but after if you give up after five drawings that it means you didn't try i want you to make 100 drawings in a period of next year you understand? So it's a, it's a project for a year to see if you like to be a visual artist, if you like to develop your visual brain, <coughs> visual part of your brain. And then I would recommend you would start painting with colors. And you can buy a set of acrylic colors, I think, for 10 or 15 bucks. And then very simple nylon brushes. And then you need a, a watercolor paper. A watercolor paper will cost you about 50 cents or maybe 25 cents per page. So the, the, the pack of, you know, 20 pages might, might cost you $4, $5. And uh, don't buy a big size. No, no, it's like uh, 8 uh, inches by 11 inches should be enough. The watercolor paper, but you're going to be painting acrylic. Yes, don't buy watercolor paints because watercolor paint is, the philosophy of watercolor paint is such that the, the chemical, the pigment is very expensive because it's grind very fine. It's literally nanoparticles and, and it's, it's supposed to be translucent. It's supposed to see through colors, which you can do the same with acrylics if you dilute them with water sufficiently, they will have watercolor effect if you, that's what you want. And in fact, as you will be starting to paint each individual painting with your brush and water, the, the first sort of color sketch will be see-through colors. I want you to have a palette on the side, and I want you, your palette to be quite big. The palette should be, with acrylic paints and oil paints, should be made 
out of plastic glass or plastic, it should not absorb water. So it cannot be plywood. If it's plywood, it needs to be shellacked so it doesn't absorb water. So after you squeeze a paint from a tube, it doesn't harden in two seconds. You understand? So if you have a piece of plastic from recycling, you know, you can use as a pallet. That's what you want. I want you to use. But I want you to have such a strategy. So, so this is all you need. That's it. Paintbrushes, uh, watercolor pad with 20 watercolor pages, let's say. That should be enough. <coughs> eight, by, eight by 11 inches. And then uh, 100 drawing pads. Why you need focus more on drawing than, than on, 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 on painting? Because drawing skills, it's this direct way of expressing your emotion. It's very immediate immediate way of expressing your skills and learning the skills and your emotions and your ideas. Black and white is so bold way of saying what you're trying to say. To draw angry face, it's, you know, it's five lines. You understand? You draw happy face, it's five, six lines and you got a face. But to paint a happy face, yeah, it's going to take more than five lines and five, six different colors. Now, the philosophy with colors is quite complicated. I want you to develop, to, to understand that you need to develop the colors. So you got those 12 colors in the box, and white and black are metaphorical colors. In nature, white and black doesn't exist. White is a symbol for pure sunlight. So in other words, when you look with, at the sun with your eye, you get blinded. This is what white stands for. And black color stands for that crack in the door you look at and you say, well, that's a black line. Well, it's not. Because when you come closer to that crack in the wall and you look into the crack, you will see it's kind of gray, brown, you understand? So the blackness, total blackness is, is the black hole. Black hole in space is 100% black. When you look in outer space in the black sky and the sky at night, it's not really black. It's, it, it has its own shadows and shades. It's not 100% black, you understand? Those animals who are hunting at night, they have this very special eyes like cats, you know, and the, and the, what are they named? You know, the, the gorillas, no, not gorillas, the, the, these monkeys, no, not monkeys, hyenas, cats, they can see in darkness because it's not complete darkness. Their eyes glow in the dark because their eyes have this special mirrors inside the eyes reflecting, bouncing the light back and forth. This is how they can see in a very, very dark environment, but it's not 100% black. So did I prove to you that black doesn't exist? So the black and the white, you can, you might as well hide away for the beginners, okay? Because black and white is a metaphor that doesn't exist in nature, and you might use it here and there. I will explain in what situation 
You need to understand that the color brown you're going to squeeze out of the tube and the color yellow you're going to squeeze out of the tube is also a metaphor. It doesn't exist in nature. You're going to squeeze five or six colors on your palette. You're going to look at, uh, at out the window. You're not going to see those colors. This is your job uh, as an explorer of nature, as an explorer of your own mind and consciousness, and as a student to learn to to match the color of the tree of the leaves or, or would it be your your coat hanging on a on a, on a hanger or, or, or the the chair or the couch this is your job to find that color by mixing the colors on a palette so you add a little green to the brown and still not the same so you add a little blue you're far off so you add a little yellow oh, oh, oh you're coming closer and you add a little more yellow you're supposed to look for hundreds and hundreds of different of colors because it's called color development so your eyes need to get used to the 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 scale of colors that you can develop and throughout your life as a professional artist you become one or not you will be going through different periods like in the beginning your colored palette is simple very it's pretty close to what you got in the tube but i expect you to start mixing colors to start with from day one <coughs> do not use colors from the tube because they don't exist i understand it looks pretty on your canvas and your painting spongebob if you want to paint paint spongebob go ahead but this is not what i'm teaching i'm teaching self-discovery and acquiring new skills and developing yourself as a visual artist, developing your color taste. You ever heard of this, uh, this epidemic? Color taste. Some people have such a good color taste, they dress it very nicely. They, their house looks very nice because they match the colors. They paint their house very nicely. They drive very nice cars, you understand? Because they have very good taste. Good taste needs to be developed. Nobody's born with good taste. You understand? You need to develop it. You need to work on it. You need to look at a lot of artwork and you need to ask yourself questions. Why do I feel so comfortable in this cafe? Well, because it was designed by a designer, interior designer, who had a good color taste. So I want you to develop your color palette based on visual on a visible world. What's in front of you? Yes, as simple as that. Whatever your eyes see, try to, try your best to match it on your palette. And after you find this color on your palette with your brush, transfer it onto the canvas or onto watercolor paper, okay? Don't buy canvases. Don't waste your money on canvases. First year of your art career, your talent can be visible and very translucent on watercolor paper with colors. I don't recommend working with color pencils because they don't really develop your color palette. Some people buy those, those um, dry pastels. They're very expensive because they're pure pigments. They are what's in the tube and very expensive tube of colors. 
and they're, they crush, and when you use them, you need special watercolor paper that has this texture of linen canvas, you understand? Not just any paper. It has to be this paper that, look when you look closer, it looks like a canvas. It's very expensive, you understand? So don't don't go into those, those dry pastels, or they call them wax pastels, because if you want to develop color palette from wax pastels or dry pastels, pastels, you will need to rub your fingers onto this expensive paper you will have to buy, and ultimately you will be rubbing off a lot. There will be a lot of waste. There will be a lot of dust. 90% of this, this dry pastel is going to fall on the floor. You understand? And when you squeeze color out of the tube, okay, some paint is going to dry up in the end of the day, but it's not going to be more than 5% going to be wasted. But with dry pastels, you're going to be wasting a lot of money. It's going to be in the dust on the floor. You understand? So this is why dry pastels or wax pastels, they're for somebody who... Uh, don't don't get into it. Okay, it's 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 quite complicated. So start with simple things that will bring you <coughs> learning and experience. So the most important objective with your color palette is to match the colors of what you see. When you look at the wall, the wall is white. Okay, it's painted white. However, as you look closer there in the ceiling in the corner, it's much darker white. So how do you do that? You might think to yourself. Oh, I'm going to do it with black. No, you need to look longer and realize that that wall that is against this chair and there is a red jacket hanging on a chair, the light from the window bounces off the red jacket and is reflected on a wall. So that wall has 1% of redness. You didn't see it before because you didn't think about it. Now that I told you about it, you will start looking for it and you will realize that colors or objects in your environment you're going to be painting are actually talking to each other. They're having actual color conversation because the photons of light are bouncing off from one object to another. So there is a red jacket hanging on a chair and the painting or the poster on the wall is yellow. That yellow is going to look a little bit orangish because this red, the, the photons of light from the window bounce off the red and end up on a yellow and the yellow uh, bounce off photons of the yellow and end up on a red jacket so the jacket will look very dark red very deep red in the shadow but where it's closer to the yellow poster it's gonna look very close to orange you understand? So colors in the visible reality, objects in the visible reality, they have intimate relationship. They're sort of, they're lit up by the same source of light. Would it be a sunlight or artificial light? Whatever you got, light bulbs. <coughs> you know, some light bulbs are cold. Like you can buy a light bulb that is very cold. And then you can buy these light bulbs that give you this warm, 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 light. Then you can light up a candle 
I don't recommend to experiment with candles. You will notice that candle has a different light. Well, light is a vibration, okay? Sound is a vibration. So light is just more frequency vibration than a sound, okay? <laughs> there are some sounds we don't hear, and there's a lot of light human eye don't see. So the visible world you're looking at is act the objects actually are related to each other because they're lit up by the same light. You can do an experiment if you have any time. You can take one object that appears to be one color, roll up the paper in a tube and put half of this tube in a sunlight and then the other half of this tube light up with artificial light. And you will notice that the color of this paper that's supposed to be the same is totally different. You understand the magic, what you're dealing with? So when you look at your desk and you want to draw what you got on your desk, you, let's say you got a laptop, you got some toy, the SpongeBob made out of rubber or something, you got a piece of cloth and a napkin. So you got a lot of things going on there. You got a paper, napkin, you got a piece of fabric, you got a rubber, then you got plastic, which is the, the laptop. These are different textures. These are different materials and they consume light and reflect light in a different way. So when you are drawing, before you even get to color, when you're drawing with black and white, either with black uh, charcoal, either with, with graphite, you need to express it. You need to show it. So somebody, you, looking at this drawing will be able easily to say this object, whatever it is, doesn't look like SpongeBob, but maybe it's a SpongeBob, is made out of rubber. And this fabric is made out of fabric. And this is not... A iron a piece of iron, this is actually a napkin. You need to show the characteristics of the napkin being light, barely visible, barely have any weight. You understand? And behind all of this, there is a solid flat wall. How you do that? It, it, well, you need to figure this out. I'll give you general tips. If the if the if the object, for instance, is flat, such as Wall, such as laptop surface, such as surface of a desk, use straight lines. When you make a shadow, when you show the, the surface of a table being darker than the SpongeBob and you need to darken the surface, I don't recommend you rub your finger into the paper. Try not to kill the paper. We call it killing the paper. When you're rubbing so many times, so much, and then you're raising and rubbing it again, the paper consumes this microscopic dust deep, deeper and deeper and deeper and it becomes like a milky gray and you can't erase it anymore and it's killed. It, it lost its light. When you look at the paper from microscope, you will realize that it's very bumpy and it's supposed to be bumpy because every bump reflects the, the, the light. So the, the upper bumps will get the, your charcoal and will get your, your graphite on it under microscope. You understand? But the bottom of between the bumps under microscope are going to be reflecting the light. And this is what you want. You want your paper to be alive even in the darkest, darkest parts of your drawing. 
You understand? That crack between the desk, black desk, and a black laptop, and that crack is black, 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 like a fucking black hole. No, it need the paper needs to have light to breathe. When you look at master drawings, whoever, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Rubens, Goya, it, the darkest parts, they always have pieces, bits, or even bigger area of light. You understand? At this balance between the darkest and the lightest, you need to see in your nature what is in front of you, and you need to assemble it. The word assemble or constructive, constructed in your drawing. You, When you look at your desk with this laptop, with SpongeBob, with the napkin, you need immediately, with the second, in the first second, you need to know where's the, what is the lightest spot? Uh-huh. That reflection on a corner of the laptop that reflects, you know, something. It's a white sticker. It reflects the light and it really glows like a, like a mirror, right? And then the second light this is the white napkin it really glows and the third is the wall behind and the fourth is this you need to understand that the yellow spongebob it looks yellow and aggressive but it's much darker than the white wall behind so you need to understand start understanding colors in a black and white vision in order to develop, it's very funny. It's it's upside down, but in order to develop your color palette, you need to be conscious of black and white interpretation of reality. Once you develop your black and white interpretation of reality, you will be a very very conscious of the color palette, color development, and the world of colors is infinite. When I say mind is infinite, I really mean it. When I say colors of the rain are not three colors, but they're really infinite. Because what's between blue and red? Oh, it's purple. Okay, what's between purple and blue? Oh, it's kind of between purple and blue. Exactly. And what is between that and blue? So on and on and on. When you take a rainbow and all the colors of the rainbow, which is white light broken into the colors, it's infinite. So the colors on your palette will be infinite. This is your objective. This is what you need to believe in. Now, when you start drawing, first thing, you look at the reality, what you got, right? So you, your eyes are, and you're holding this little piece of paper, this little sketch pad, and you look at your reality, and then you say, wait a minute, if I start drawing, my desk is going, my desk is going to go from my drawing, the edge, like is going to, you know, Go that way. And my laptop, okay, is going to fit in somewhere here in the center. Exactly. You need to, first lines, first lines you're going to put on a, on a paper are going to be very general. You're not going <coughs> to start with detail of a key of the of a keyboard. No! First, you're going to make like a big square where the laptop goes on your paper. Okay, and it's going to go in the center because this is the central part of your drawing. Then next to the laptop is the SpongeBob. It's much smaller. It's like three times smaller. Then you draw this very gentle line, barely visible line, outline of the SpongeBob. Not his eyes, not his mouth. You understand? And behind the SpongeBob is a box with napkins, which is much bigger than the SpongeBob. So you make a, a, a third square. 
barely visible. So now you need to assert their proportions. How big is the laptop compared to the SpongeBob? How small is the SpongeBob compared to the box of napkins? And then you got a pencil lying down across next to it. So you need to figure out the length of the pencil and the angle of the pencil by comparison to the angle of the laptop and do it very gentle lines. You put one line, you look at the drawing, you say, no, 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 that's not how it is. You put a second line. Oh, you're coming closer. How long should be the line expressing the showing the pencil? Oh, this long? Oh, no, 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 much shorter. No, maybe a little longer. Oh, but then SpongeBob is too big. So you understand? You need to think like that for the rest of your life, basically. <laughs> yes, for the rest of your life, you need to manipulate composition in your artwork because when you're going to grow up into a full artist, you're going to be manipulating independent elements in a painting and deciding, I want this face to be big because this is the most important face in the painting. Five other faces, they can be in a shadow and they can be a little smaller. You understand? So this is how you learn things like that. So in your drawing right now, you want SpongeBob to be the most important, but he's not the biggest. Laptop is the biggest. Well, you need to use the size of the laptop to show the SpongeBob. Okay? Laptop is bigger. It doesn't mean it's going to be the most important object in your, in your drawing. You understand? And the outer elements. Outer elements are such as wall. The wall in your drawing is sort of begins outside your drawing and flies out of your drawing. You understand? And the desk in your drawing begins at the bottom of your page and goes all the way behind the laptop. You can't see the edge of the desk. It's understandable these are outside elements and they are supportive elements of the main subject. Your main subject is the SpongeBob, the pencil, the laptop, the box of the napkins, and the napkin itself. Okay, if you don't want napkin to be so important, you don't detail it. Basically, what you want the most attention ultimately in this drawing, as you will be developing the drawing with the SpongeBob, is where your eyes should go first. Anybody's eyes. Okay, SpongeBob. Okay, then you need to detail the SpongeBob more than the laptop and the pencil because human eyes automatically go to where the detail is. If you go to detail the napkin, people will be looking at the napkin. If you're going to detail both the SpongeBob and the napkin and the laptop, people will be confused. They don't know what to look at. You understand? So if you paint a sort of photographic painting, you are not being true neither to photography, neither to yourself, neither to the message you're trying to express. If you're, you're trying to express the beauty and the hero of the SpongeBob and how amazing he is sitting there next to the laptop, don't don't worry so much. Don't detail the laptop. Don't detail the napkin. The napkin can be left alone as a big, bright, wide, 
blur of light. And the pencil can be like a shadow of a pencil with barely any shape. So you can see it's a pencil, but without any details because it, the pencil is not important. You understand? So the importance of the subject in your painting, in your artwork from now on will require more details. The <coughs> objects that are less important in your painting, they, they, they shouldn't have so much detail because this is how human eye works. This is the nature of human eye. When you're looking at the bird on a tree with an angle of your eye, you sort of see the trunk of the tree, but you really can't count how many how many other birds are sitting on a, the other branch. You understand? This is how human mind, human eye works. You focus only what your eye is focusing on. So if your eye is focusing on a SpongeBob and you want people to focus on a SpongeBob in your artwork, then detail the SpongeBob. This is the nature of nature. This is how psychology and human eye works. So this is your lesson number one, 31 minutes. Andre Bogoslavsky, follow me on Instagram, whatever you want.